From the Ohio News Network, this is Ohio Sports Magazine. Now, here's your host, Kate Burdett. Welcome to this week's Ohio Sports Magazine. The Memorial Golf Tournament is less than two weeks away at Muirfield Village in Dublin, Ohio. This year's honoree is World Golf Hall of Famer Larry Nelson. ONN Skip Mossick had a chance to chat with Nelson leading up to the tournament and began by asking if being named the Memorial honoree was a big deal to him. Uh, well, it's a huge big deal for me, um, mainly because of uh, Jack uh, and the people who selected me to be the honoree this year. Uh, it just it means so much. But uh, to be associated with uh, Jack Nicholas uh, and his family um, just is a great honor. Larry, your story's so unique. I mean, many know you didn't start playing golf until you returned home from your time in Vietnam. First of all, thank you for your service. But I guess what led you to the game? Uh, it was kind of by chance, basically. My wife worked from like 9 to 6, or she didn't get home to about 6. And I only had one class to finish uh, school. And it was done at uh, 9 o'clock. I didn't have anything to do from 9 to 6. And there was a golf course right beside uh, the Kennesaw State University where I was going. And uh, so I said, well, maybe I'd give it a try. One of my friends in the service uh, played golf for Miami Dade Junior College. And uh, so he loved golf. And so I said, well, maybe I'll give it a try. And uh, just fell in love with the game. And uh, three and a half years later, qualified for the tour. Basketball and baseball, I want to say before the war, which were you better at and which did you enjoy more? probably enjoyed baseball more than basketball. Um, I, of course, I had the old goal behind the house uh, with basketball, but I uh, played baseball from the time I was four years old and or some kind of organized baseball, and that was really what I loved. Uh, but I actually hurt my arm. When I came back from Vietnam, they asked me to pitch uh, on the 4th of July day, hot day, and I actually hurt my arm. And uh, was not able to pitch anymore, so golf seemed like uh, maybe the next best thing. So started trying to play golf. You know, I always like asking guys from the South this. You know, Braves didn't move to Atlanta, I want to say, until 66. Who was your favorite team growing up? I, I watched, of course, always watched the Yankees, uh, Roger Maris, Mickey Mantle, when they were playing. Uh, matter of fact, they would even show it in some uh, uh, afternoon games or whatever in the classroom. Uh my history teacher was a baseball fan, so sometimes we got to watch it. So um, so I think probably the Yankees at that time, they were with Whitey Ford. Uh, they were kind of our favorites. Interesting tie to Jack Nicklaus. Uh, tell us about your first set of golf clubs. <laughs> right, well, uh, my wife bought me a set of clubs uh, at a department store for Christmas uh, 1969, and they just happened to be Jack Nicklaus uh golf clubs and uh so yeah the first set of golf clubs i ever had uh was a jack nicholas set so to go full circle and come around <laughs> and to share this uh day this press day uh, with him uh is really kind of uh, uh remarkable to say the least uh but uh, it's been something that uh, i've been able to have some sort of relationship with him through the years uh and just uh, he, he was a great uh, leader of the game and did so much for um, charities. And I think it's really kind of inspired younger 
uh, players to do the same. World Golf Hall of Famer this year's Memorial Honoree Larry Nelson, our guest this morning. Now, less than a year after beginning to play, you're breaking 70, which is unreal. Now, it was much harder back in that time to get your tour card. I mean, no developmental tour to work your way up. I mean, just Q school. I mean, did you get through right away? And were you surprised at all that it happened so quickly for you? Uh, you know, sometimes I think ignorance is bliss. Um, I didn't really know how difficult it was. Um, I was actually through it before I heard a lot of stories of how many times some guys had been there and hadn't done it, hadn't gotten through the school. Um, so uh, I just felt like uh, that I played on the mini tours for about a year. There were two major mini tours, one on the East Coast, one on the West Coast. And um, I was kind of like ranked eighth or ninth in the one on the East Coast. And they were given 23 spots away. So I figured if I just played my game, I uh, probably could get in the top 23. And that's kind of what I did. I tied for 21st, 22nd, 23rd. So got through it the first time and never had to go back. Three major championships, U.S. Open at Oakmont, two PGAs at Atlanta Athletic Club and PGA National. Were any of those three more special to you and why? Uh, well, each one of them was special, but for different reasons. Uh, 81, it was at my hometown. It was in Atlanta. Sure. Uh, so all my friends and family were able to be out there and watch the last day and watch me accept the trophy and everything. And then Oakmont, I think um, any time that you can win uh, – the U.S. Open or your national championship, I think, is uh, really tremendous. And then uh, in 87, when I won the PGA again, it, it gave me a 10-year exemption. So I would be exempt until um, 10 days before my 50th birthday. And then the senior tour was uh, really a big deal. Uh, so I think just all of those uh, really had different meanings in a, you know, a little bit different way. Don't want to downplay your performance at Oakmont. I want to say 10 under or something like that. Unheard of over there at Oakmont. Unbelievable. (laughs) Well, the weekend, yeah, I shut 10 under, which I guess is still an open record. Uh, It broke a 51-year record as far as the last two rounds. Uh, And so it's still still that way. Uh, And to do it at Oakmont, which is really one of the hardest golf courses I I ever played. Um, But if you're playing good or hitting the ball good, nothing is really difficult if you can put it in the fairways and hit the greens and make putts and that's what it did last week and that week in addition to the three majors a member of three Ryder cup teams including 87 here at muirfield village where i know the outcome wasn't what the usa wanted but uh, do you have a favorite memory from your three appearances and i want to say prior to 87 i mean you had an unbelievable record i want to say nine and oh well it was nine oh before 87 but i think one of my greatest memories actually is standing in the locker room after we won the Ryder cup at walton heath uh uh, and had my picture taken between uh, Lee Trevino and Jack Nicklaus. Uh, we had a great team that year. It was just kind of really amazing to be a part of that team. Uh, but uh, had my picture taken in the locker room with uh, Lee and Jack uh, really meant a lot. So uh, that that is one of my best memories of the Ryder Cup. World Golf Hall of Famer, this year's Memorial Tournament honoree, Larry Nelson. Again, thank you for your time. Thank you for your service all those years ago, and we'll see you next month for the tournament, okay? Thank you very much. I enjoyed the interview. Yes, we'll look forward to seeing you. The Memorial Tournament at Muirfield Village in Dublin begins the week of May 29th and wraps up on June 4th. 
For more information about the tourney, visit memorialtournament.com. Coming up, information on another golf event that's also for a great cause. We'll have more of this week's Ohio Sports Magazine when we continue here on the Ohio News Network. Rothman and Ice. Ice is a polite guy. He's a nice guy. But I could see his buttons getting pressed at a sporting event. Rothman and Ice, weekdays at noon. Sponsored by your local Pella Window showroom. The Fan. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Kate Burdett. Ryan Phillips is a local coordinator for Franklin County Special Olympics, and they have a very special event coming up on Monday. Ryan, thanks for being with us today. I know you've got a lot going on right now. It is a busy time of year for us. Absolutely. Our, our largest fundraiser of the year, uh, coupled with summer games right around the corner, uh, makes for an interesting spring every year. Now, tell me about this fundraiser. It's a golf outing, right? It is. It is. And it's it's frankly so much more. Uh, for 25 years plus, we've had a incredible relationship with Morgan Stanley, and, and they've uh, worked incredibly hard to put together this outing that benefits our athletes and has paid for a, a significant number of folks to be able to attend summer games, compete at summer games, and and have an opportunity to spend a full weekend at Ohio State with their friends and doing what they love. So the golf outing is Monday at the North Star Golf Club in Sunbury. Now, unfortunately, this year, as you told me off the air, sold out really quickly. But that doesn't mean you can't plan for next year. In fact, I'm sure once you put down the clubs on Monday, you'll already be planning for the 2024 event. But tell us a little bit about the day, what it's going to be like, and how the activity you have that day are going to help raise money for Special Olympics Ohio athletes in Central Ohio. Absolutely. Uh, great problem to have. We sold out incredibly quickly this year. Uh, the day, in many ways, is is very traditional in terms of golf, right? You lot, people roll in, arrive, get uh, some lunch, meet some of the athletes that we bring out for the day who are really those sort of ambassadors for the rest of the, the athletes attending summer games, um, play some golf. And then I think at that point in time, we, we pride ourselves in a, in a pretty incredible experience once people make their way back to the clubhouse. While on the course, there's certainly the fun games and uh, ways to, to make a little extra money for uh, our program, meet some of our athletes, hang out. But but once we're back for that sort of cocktail hour, dinner, reception, um, we have silent auction. We have a, a live auctioneer who I will probably put against anybody in the business, as they say. John Rogers is incredible, has been with us for decades, and he's 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 hypnotizing, which may lead to some of our better donations, frankly. Um, but, but we come back in, we get to hear from our athletes what Special Olympics means to them, how that has impacted their life, um, and just frankly, their appreciation for the golfers that are out there this this day and, you know, um, how that makes them feel. Special Olympics has been around for a while, but for those who may not have caught it before, can you give us sort of a, a quick thumbnail of what exactly it is that Special Olympics does? Absolutely. We are a competitive sports organization that works with people who have largely intellectual and some physical disabilities. Uh, we've been around for a very long time, absolutely, back in the 60s when Eunice said, hey, this is a pretty good thing we should probably be doing, and then, frankly, made it happen. Um, we are a competitive sports organization. It would be silly not to recognize, you know, the the social aspects, the life aspects. Um, but but at our core, it is about competition. It's about setting goals and frankly, hopefully working towards and realizing those goals. But 
like life itself, oftentimes that doesn't happen, right? At the end of the year in a bracket tournament, there's only one person who who ends that last game of the year with a win. Everyone else, frankly, ends the last game of their year with a loss and how that helps us in terms of what our life looks like and how we learn from that and how we set goals and continue to work and deal with struggles uh, is as much a part of athletics as showing up to practice and being prepared to, to make things happen. You mentioned the summer games. That's a pretty big deal around Special Olympics Ohio, isn't it? It is. Uh, jokingly, yeah, it's the Christmas of our calendar for Special Olympics is, is what we kind of uh, say at times. It is It is the height of Special Olympics. It's three days on campus. We're staying in the dorms. We're hanging out with our friends. We are really, in many ways, what, what people think of those traditional Olympics, there's there's much of that kind of woven into that weekend. And and from opening ceremonies when, you know, the police helicopter is swooping down and the the motorbikes are coming into Jesse Owens at Ohio State and the delegation and the process, that pomp and circumstance to to the highs and lows of actual competition, right? Um, that That is all kind of wrapped up into three incredibly long days, short nights, uh, and typically kind of warm weather that, that um, keeps people coming back, whether it's athletes who absolutely love it or volunteers that are three decades in and haven't missed the summer games because they have felt it's that sort of life- altering and, and changing but it's 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 a big deal yes as someone who myself i have been on campus for the state summer games for special olympics ohio and when i when we say campus ryan and i we're talking about the campus of the ohio state university columbus is the host city for special olympics ohio's state summer games every year how many athletes are on the campus for this event, Ryan? Uh, so I believe statewide, it's a it's a few thousands. I can tell you this year, our delegation, we are looking at 163s uh, that are coming from our Franklin County Flyers program. Um, we are the program for Franklin County Board of Developmental Disabilities. Uh, we serve those folks here in Franklin County and uh, are, are excited to do so. Um, we, we have our biggest delegation ever, we believe, at least as far back as we can track. It's very exciting now that we we feel as though we kind of have shed the um, the layers of the pandemic and are ready to fully sort of embrace and, and get after summer games. It is such an exciting time for our athletes. Um, we're, we're, we're not quite there yet, but we're getting ready. Fantastic. It's coming up the weekend of June 23rd through the 25th at, as we said, Ohio State University. And I would imagine that not just for a local program like yours, Ryan, but for all of the state's programs and all of the state's activities and the many different sports that will be competing that weekend, there will be a need for volunteers as well as for fans to cheer on the athletes. Is that something that's open to the public? Absolutely. Um, and, and highly encouraged. So, so fandom is, is fantastic. Our folks, uh, would absolutely love to have people out. One of my favorite stories is, uh, years ago, we had a young man racing the 200 was coming around the curve, the curve at Jesse Owens on the 200 and folks are in the stands yelling his name and he stopped, looks over and thanks them in a, in a very, very wonderful way, much to the chagrin of his coaches and, and, um, occasionally teammates and afterwards hey what like what were you doing he's like they came all the way out to cheer me on i really wanted to make sure that they knew that i appreciated that and i think that that uh that that embodies some of the highs and lows of what we see over the weekend the volunteers that make those games happen are absolutely critical we cannot 
have an event of this size without those volunteers that are coming out for either a shift a day or, or ideally the, the entire weekend. And there's lots of corporate organizations and, and uh, church groups, et cetera, that are kind of putting that together. Um, and there's opportunities, whether you're inside in the air conditioning or, or you're a lover of the sun and want to be out at the track all day, there's opportunities to make that happen. So I believe Special Olympics Ohio's website has all of those opportunities up and people can sign up, uh, I believe, currently. If you're in the central Ohio, Columbus area at the end of June, we highly recommend you stop by Ohio State University and check out the Special Olympics Ohio State Summer Games and mark your calendar for this time next year when the Franklin County Flyers Special Olympics team will be holding their annual golf fundraiser. Ryan, we thank you so much for being with us today. Best of luck with the golfing and with the state summer games and your team. And we'll be cheering them on from a distance. Many thanks. Thanks, Kate. And go Flyers. We'll have more of this week's Ohio Sports Magazine when we continue here on the Ohio News Network. This is the sound of a popular American motorcycle. It's the sound of freedom. The open road. Really good times. And this is what it sounds like with a drunk guy in it. How do you like the sound of that? Cops are cracking down on drunk motorcycle riders. If you ride drunk, you will get caught and you will get arrested. Drunk riding. Over the limit, under arrest. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Transportation. Betting happens as fast as sports. And now every play is faster than ever before. You're on the edge of your seat. Until the moment when it's all on the line. Which is why it's important to pause before you play. Sports are fast. Betting shouldn't be. So remember to set limits, know the risks, and pause before you play. To learn more, visit pausebeforeyouplay.org. Everyone knows you can have a lot of fun outside. But did you know that spending time outdoors is actually good for you? That's right, spending time in the outdoors can have a positive impact on your body and your mind. Even 15 minutes outside a day can lower your stress and help you feel better. So get out there, visit an Ohio park, and thrive outside. Are you in crisis? Contact Ohio's Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. Call, text, or chat 988. Healthcare.gov is here for you when life happens. If you lost your health coverage because of turning 26, going off Medicaid, leaving your job, or moving, you could be eligible to enroll in new coverage now. And if you need to update your coverage because of marriage or having a baby, you could also be eligible. But don't wait. There's a limited time to enroll. Check your eligibility at healthcare.gov today. Life happens. Get covered. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. The ONN Daily Podcast. Get a recap of all the day's news from across the state. Our ONN affiliate WBNS-TV in Columbus has more. Haley Kirby reporting in downtown Toledo. From the State House. Kevin Landers. ONN Canton. ONN affiliate WKYC-TV in Cleveland explains. In Marietta, Brett Wharf, ONN News. Emma Henderson in Genoa. The ONN Daily Podcast. Listen at onnradio.com or wherever you download your favorite podcast From the Ohio News Network. As much as we say we love nature, when it comes to bugs, eh, not so much. When it comes to trees, the Ohio chapter of the International Society of Arboriculture wants you to know that most insects are not harmful to trees, especially if their populations are small. There are exceptions to that, but don't forget, every insect has a predator that's just looking to make it a meal. So sometimes it's just good to let nature take care of itself. 
If you're concerned about insects in your trees, find an ISA certified arborist near you at treesforohio.org. That's trees, the number four, ohio.org. The fan, the fan, Ohio sports destination. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Kate Burdett. It's a very pink weekend in Columbus, Ohio, and that's due to one thing. The 31st annual Komen Columbus Race for the Cure. Here to talk with us about why this event is so important is the race director, Alyssa Petrella. Hi, Alyssa. Hi, Kate. How are you? Oh, my goodness. Noticing a lot more pink around Columbus these days. I'm glad to hear you're noticing. Now, I love some of these statistics. Over $30 million raised through the Komen Columbus Race for the Cure over the past 30 years. That's pretty exciting. Also, this is the largest Komen race in the U.S. I had no idea. Yes, we are proud to be home um, to that title. We have been for many years and looking forward to maintaining that role, that place in um, the Race for the Cure community throughout the country, but really just proud of Columbus and all that we do to come together for this cause. And before we go any further, it's important to note we are looking for a cure for, of course, breast cancer, for some who may not have caught that. The uh, Komen organization is really very kind of at the forefront of breast cancer research, support, fundraising. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, Alyssa? Yes, thank you for asking. So Komen, um, as a global organization, has actually been around for over 40 years now, serving in that space of research, care, community, and action in the uh, the approach to beat breast cancer. It's a 360-degree approach. It is unique to our organization, and we are so proud to be taking the disease on from all of those fronts um, to really ensure progress that uh, saves lives and brings us to the, the next breakthroughs every, every day, every year. When you hear statistics like this, more than 10,000 women are expected to be diagnosed with breast cancer just in Ohio this year. 1,700 will die from it in Ohio, and Ohio ranks seventh in the nation in breast cancer mortality rates. Basically, you cannot find a person whose life has not been touched by this disease. The Race for the Cure, one of the more visible, one of the big events on the calendar. Columbus just comes out in droves for this cause, and we're really so fortunate. The only 5K I've ever done in my life, by the way, was the Race for the Cure here in Columbus many oh, years ago. Wonderful. <laughs> and I, I ran the whole thing just really slowly. We won't get into that. But it is so exciting to cross that finish line and to have accomplished that. And so emotional. I remember being on the course, and you had several spots where people were playing music. Music or there, I remember a group of motorcyclists revving their engines toward the end of the course, and I was overcome with emotion. My mom was a breast cancer survivor, and you know, so many other people I know. So it really is a, a remarkable experience. And then to to cross the finish line, you know, you get your banana and your water or whatever, and you don't want to go home. You kind of want to celebrate with everybody who just did that race with you. So I love the element of the post finish line party. Another thing we should mention in downtown Columbus, the weekend of the Komen Columbus Race for the Cure, May 19th through the 21st, the Levesque Tower and the AEP building are going to be lit in pink in honor of the big race. It's always nice to see the community come together, even if they're not on the course physically, kind of showing that support. So 
Like I said at the beginning, we're going to be seeing a lot more pink around Columbus here in the next few days, and it's for a great reason. Alyssa Petrella, I thank you so much for joining us here today to talk about the 31st annual Komen Columbus Race for the Cure. Thank you, Kate. We're so glad to be here. We'll have more of this week's Ohio Sports Magazine when we continue here on the Ohio News Network. Morning juice. I'd like to sit at home, get drunk, live some sort of life like Pat Swayze and Point Break and just go around and rob banks and surf all day. That sounds awesome. Morning juice. Sponsored by Affinity Whole Health. Weekday mornings at 6. The Fan. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Kate Burdett. Let's check in on the Cleveland Guardians and hear from Jeff Ellis of Locked On Guardians with our Eric Reeser. Talking with Jeff Ellis, he is the host of the Locked On Guardians podcast. Download, subscribe, listen to the Locked On Guardians podcast, wherever it is you do your podcasting. Mid, kind of end of May-ish is where we sit, Jeff. And Cleveland sits a couple games back of 500, several games out of first in the AL Central. At this point, is this where you thought the team would be at the beginning of the season? I didn't, if I'm being honest. Um, I thought they would have some struggles. Uh, There's a lot of players who have some high variance in their potential performance. Uh, But I'm also not surprised. Uh, They have always started slow under Terry. They have several players for as much as we all stress about someone like Ahmed Rosario. Ahmed Rosario is just not good to start the year. And then he'll be on fire the next two months and then he'll cool off. And at the end of the day, he'll be a league average player. Emmanuel Classe, I think people forget because he was so good a year ago, was not great in the first month or so. I got a lot of distinctly remember on the podcast having to convince people that he should indeed stay the closer uh, a year ago. So while it's not ideal, it's not a terrible surprise um, just because of past history and the way they have kind of come out of the, the gate. And, the, you know, the the overall upside is they're not out of anything because I think if we translated this into football terms, they'd be in somewhere in the middle of the fourth game of the year. So it's still super early and uh, be the American League Central is really, really bad. Plenty of time to get healthy, to get right. Uh, the Guardians offensively are at the bottom of the league in batting average at dead last in hits. Jeff, would you say just be patient and try to let this thing work itself out? Or do you think the team might need to make a move either before at the deadline, a serious move to fix their offensive woes. You know, this is, again, what people maybe don't want to hear as much, but I, I do think you have to have a degree of patience. Josh Naylor had a great weekend against the Angels, and it's like a lot of his data showed that like he was underperforming, and now he's performing well. Uh, the unfortunate truth is when you build an offense that is based on contact rate, it doesn't have power, it doesn't walk a terrible high amount, you know, middle of the pack, but it doesn't have a lot of power is that, you know, in baseball, we have a stat called uh, batting average of balls put in play. And it's basically a luck stat. It tells you how lucky or unlucky uh, teams, uh, players are. Like the average has been creeping up. It's now about three, I think about 300 is the average batting average of a, of a ball that a, a guy makes contact with and puts on play. But there are t- points in time where you see a guy spot like a 420, and then there's times like last year, even though Miles Straw has great speed, and that's a stat that we often see higher if you have good speed, he was below 200. So when you are a contact-based team, uh, there is a higher amount of good and bad luck that kind of factors in, and it does feel like they, don't get me wrong, it's not like we can put it all on luck, but the the way the team is constructed, there is more, a little bit more luck involved, and you need everyone hitting at the right time. And unfortunately, you know, outside of Jose, I don't think anyone has an above league average number in terms of their runs creation. 
So hopefully, you know, we'll see Stephen Kwan and Andre Jimenez and, and Josh Naylor kind of be more like they were a year ago. In terms of adding someone, it's hard to not look around the league right now. Look at the top five hitters in the league and look and, and see Sean Murphy, who we know they chased for a year plus. But even more so than that, to see Yandy Diaz, who uh, was an exceptional player in their minors and I know just got hurt. He was also top five in, in OPS. And you know, there are some young players. We saw Rokio uh, get his first hit the other day, and you know maybe he can come up and have a role. George Valera is getting close to being healthy. He's in Columbus. Check him out while you have a chance. I don't think he's going to be down there necessarily for the longest amount of time because they're just trying to find uh, some options from amongst that deep prospect pool. I, I I don't know who it is yet. I'd have to get closer to the deadline to really look and see like what teams are bad and who could be available. But I do think there is a logic for a team that is as deep as they are in terms of prospects who, you know, Connor Pilkington was in solid pitcher a year ago for them. And they had to just let him go because they didn't have 40 man spots and he was quickly claimed. And, you know, they can maybe package a few prospects, help alleviate some pressure on that 40 man and potentially get someone who could help them, you know, if it's catcher is going to be hard, like that is, that's a really hard position to fill, but maybe they do go for a veteran outfielder. Will Brennan's look better of late, but um, unless Valera comes up and is the answer, it seems like they probably could use, you know, another outfield option. And uh, they really don't have anyone who's got plus power who's going to help anytime soon. So if you can go and get someone who has power, all the better. Uh, Jeff, you did talk about, you know, a lot of positives um, with the Guardians and their farm system has a lot of talent. Um, it's a deep pool to go fishing in, especially when you get injuries to your pitching. And Tanner Bybee, uh, who's had a couple of starts now with the Cleveland Guardians, was solid last weekend. Uh, seven strikeouts and a 4-3 to three win over the Anaheim Angels. What's his ceiling with the Major League Club this season? Tanner Bybee is a, a fascinating um, player. Uh, just a side note on that game, if people don't know it, the fun, extra fun in that game was uh, Bybee and Sandoval were teammates in high school who squared off in that matchup. Uh, Sandoval was two years older, but uh, they had high school teammates pitching against each other. Uh, Bybee, we had on our podcast. You can go look that one up. And the funny fact with him is he thought twice the Cubs were going to draft him. And then both times they took, safe to say, lesser prospects. So the uh, Cleveland benefited uh, things in 20 and 21. I had him as my number one prospect this offseason. And that's not like retroactive speak. I always had concerns with Daniel Espino's health. I know most people had him one or, you know, a, a few other players. But Bybee has a pretty clean health track record. Uh, a year ago at this time, he was more of a low 90s guy. He has touched triple digits. Uh, he was a, a late bloomer. You know, he, he was a smaller sized kid when he got to college. One of those players that added height, added muscle, worked super hard, was kind of viewed as a control specialist um, when he was taken as a, essentially a fourth-year player. So the growth he had over the course of last year is, is a phenomenal. The pitches he has there, I, I think he has legit front-of-the-rotation ace-type potential. For as much as he does get compared to Bieber, I don't think the control and commander is good as Bieber's, but I think the pure stuff is better. Like We've talked about last few years, Bieber being a low-90s velocity guy, kind of his velocity going down a bit. Tanner's legitimate mid-90s, and then you add in the secondaries, and then you really sit back and think that this is he hasn't even been in the system two years, and how quickly he has risen through that system just, you know, it speaks volumes, and it helps make up for, you know, again, Daniel Espino, who his injury is unfortunate because on pure talent, he was the number one pitcher in that system, and had, you know, hate to throw a label like DeGrom upside on someone, but that was legitimately for a guy who was considered to have the best fastball and slider in the minors. 
I don't know who else you would comp him to. But when you have Tanner Bybee, who kind of, since he hasn't been there as long and slid under the radar, he's a legit ace. And I had him number one as he had the cleanest profile uh, of any pitcher in the system, as well as his growth. And it's it's great because we've seen Logan Allen excel. Uh, Gavin Williams is, is fantastic. Trip, check him out in AAA in Columbus. Uh, if you get an opportunity, Joey Cantillo will probably be in Columbus soon. They've they've got kind of that next wave is is cresting right now. Jeff Ellis, he hosts the Locked On Guardians podcast. Again, download, listen to, subscribe to the Locked On Guardians podcast, whatever it is you do your podcasting. Jeff, thank you so much for the time, bud. Oh, thanks for letting me talk. We'll have more of this week's Ohio Sports Magazine when we continue here on the Ohio News Network. Join us for Gambling Things, Fantasy Sports, Gambling Things, and most importantly, Gambling Things. Hollywood Casinos on the Money, Sunday morning at 9. Presented by Ohio for Responsible Gambling. The Fan. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Kate Burdett. Time to discuss Cincinnati Reds baseball and hear from Jeff Carr of Locked On Reds with our Paul Keels. This week we talked with our Locked On Reds segment with Jeff Carr from the Locked On Reds podcast. And Jeff, it's been really exciting this week to listen to both you and and Steve Offenbaker talk about the call-ups that the Reds have had. Let's begin about the big call-up earlier in the week with Matt McClain. I guess we all wanted to think that it was coming and it finally did arrive. Yeah, he was profiling almost as if there was nothing left to prove at AAA. Like, we were kind of getting to the point, like, I don't know what you can wait for. He was leading all of minor league baseball in OPS. He was hitting over 300. He had the crazy power numbers. He hit for the cycle once, and he was a triple shy of the cycle last week before he got called up. So I was just like, get this dude up here. Like, (laughs) he's wasting away in Louisville. So, Love to see what his debut, I mean, he hits a double for his first career hit. He gets an RBI in his second game. And, you know, I'd seen some folks that were just like, oh, man, he struck out three times in his second game. That's tough. It's like, yeah, but the way that he bounced back, and he was able to bring in that insurance run in the ninth inning, camp, coming up big in big situations, That's that's really been huge for a guy like him in AAA, and I think we'll see more of that in the majors. You know, and you guys talked about it too, Jeff. It seemed to be a clean roster move with uh... – putting Friedel on the injured list, but still leaving the door open for Jose Barrero to show whatever it is that he might be able to show. Yeah, I think that he's still going to get some playing time. I know that he is slated to play on the uh, the Wednesday getaway day game in Colorado. So I think we're still going to see him a little bit. I definitely think that Matt McClain's going to get the lion's share of playing time at shortstop. Uh, David Bell even mentioned second base as well, which I think that is is him looking forward to the plan whenever they call up Ellie De La Cruz and they play De La Cruz at shortstop and they play McLean at second base. But uh, this dude is just so athletic. There's there's thoughts and not really a whole lot of grumblings, but maybe more so from just me and Steve, where we want to see maybe Matt McLean worked into the outfield, maybe even center field because he played there in college. Uh, so he's got the experience out there in the outfield. They, they can fit his bat into the lineup. Uh, just about any way that they can, and he is a smart hitter. Dude is going to be a big part of this lineup for years to come. Jeff, you like him being in the number two spot where you can maximize his number of at-bats, ideally? I was kind of surprised with that, but actually the more that I see it, yes. And and there's going to be some people that are going to poo-poo the batting average early on, but he's just getting his teeth cut here. I, I think that the the number of at-bats, like you said, is so key for a guy like him. 
that is going to be here for the future. And and while it's been a lot of fun here recently because the Reds have been winning as much or more of, the, of their losing here recently, the, the main goal is still to get the core in place and ready to go for next year. Jeff, speaking of hitting, and I'm going to point the finger at myself because I was one of, more, I'm sure, more who were a little guilty of wanting to give up on Nick Senzel. Boy, has he really sounded the call. Yeah, I, I'm pointing my finger at myself, too, because I was in the same boat. I, I, I said coming into the year, whatever he gives us is gravy, because let's not expect anything from him. And he has just been on fire. I was looking at his stats over the last 18 games. He's hitting over 300. He's got an uh, on-base percentage of over 400, and he's slugging over 600. Just absolutely phenomenal numbers. And, and the best thing for me is is when you need him the most, when he is up with guys on second or third, they're in scoring position, he's just going off. 24 at-bats, he's got 11 hits, five walks, and only three strikeouts. That means even when he's not hitting, he's putting the ball in play. And that's that's really what we've wanted for the last couple of years from anybody on this lineup, much less the dude who we once thought was going to be our next big player. Can we equate any of it, Jeff, to get him getting a little more time at third base? I feel like we can. I, I think that, you know, he came up through college as a third baseman. He was drafted as the number two pick as a third baseman. And even for a, a generous portion of his minor league career, he played third base. And then once he got close to AAA, they're like, you know, maybe we ought to try him in center field. And I mean, hindsight's kind of twenty twenty here, but this looks like that was the wrong decision because he slots back in at third. He and it's a, a small sample size. I will grant you this, mm-hmm. but he kind of looks like he could be a Gold Glover at third base. <laughs> I don't know, like that might be getting way ahead of myself here, but he has fielded so well there. And then his bat—he just looks comfortable in all aspects of the game, and that's not something I have ever said about Nixon Zell until this year. We started talking about call-ups with Matt McClain. How about the call-up of Brandon Williamson and his debut on the mound in Denver? He is a guy that I wanted on the opening day rotation. And and there's been a lot of question marks because he started the year quite rough in AAA, walking as many people as he was striking out for a good number of starts. And people were wondering, does this mean that he's just not going to cut it? Is he not going to be good? And David Bell said it the best after the game. He's like, you know, there are guys that are just meant to be here. There are guys that have the talent level of a major league ball player. And, you know, it's hard to tell what goes through a guy's mind, but his struggles in spring training and then not making the opening day roster, you got to believe his first couple of starts in Louisville were just like, boy, oh boy, here again, huh? All right, I guess we'll do this. And then he gets the call. And I mean, he even talks about, you know, using a cutter, which he didn't pitch a whole lot coming up through uh, Louisville this season, it's like he just was ready for this. And when you watched him on the mound in Colorado, he looked the part. And you talk about the hardest test you could possibly give any pitcher, much less a dude that just broke into the major leagues, and he passed it with flying colors. He sure did. All of you Reds fans, make sure you check out the Locked on Reds podcast. Jeff Carr, thanks as always for your time, Jeff. Hey, thanks, Paul. We'll have more of this week's Ohio Sports Magazine when we continue here on the Ohio News Network. If you turn 65 this year, you are eligible for Medicare. To help you understand your choices and possibility of financial assistance, the Ohio Department of Insurance is holding Welcome to Medicare events across the state. So join us at a free event near you. Make sure your plan suits your budget and your needs. 
For more information, contact the Ohio Department of Insurance at 1-800-686-1578 or go online at insurance.ohio.gov. You think buckling up is a personal choice? That it doesn't hurt anyone else? You would be wrong. Your choice could shatter the lives of your family, friends, and everyone you know. That's why we enforce seatbelt laws to save lives. Think about that every time you drive. Buckling up isn't just a good idea. It's a choice between surviving a crash or not. Make sure you and everyone in the vehicle buckles up every time. Click it or ticket. Paid for by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Are you starting to question your gambling? Or the actions of someone you love? It may be time to talk to someone who understands. Call the Problem Gambling Helpline today and talk to a trained specialist. There's no judgment and no commitment. Plus, it's completely free and confidential. We're here for you. You are not alone. And remember, we all have the power to change. With the Problem Gambling Helpline of Ohio. Make the call today. Call the Problem Gambling Helpline of Ohio at 1-800-589-9966. Do you or any of your family members, neighbors, or friends own a property that you just want to be done with it? If so, call TurboTrack Realty today for an all-cash offer at 614-470-2000. 614-470-2000. Would it be convenient for you to take what you wanted and leave the rest behind? Great, I'll buy it. Call 614-470-2000. That's 614-470-2000. As much as we say we love nature, when it comes to bugs, eh, not so much. When it comes to trees, the Ohio chapter of the International Society of Arboriculture wants you to know that most insects are not harmful to trees, especially if their populations are small. There are exceptions to that, but don't forget, every insect has a predator that's just looking to make it a meal. So sometimes it's just good to let nature take care of itself. If you're concerned about insects on your trees, find an ISA certified arborist near you at treesforohio.org. That's trees, the number four, ohio.org. The ONN Daily Podcast. Get a recap of all the day's news from across the state. Our one affiliate, WBNS-TV in Columbus, has more. Haley Kirby, reporting in downtown Toledo. From the State House, Kevin Landers. ONN Canton. ONN affiliate, WKYC-TV in Cleveland, explains. In Marietta, Brett Wharf, ONN News. Emma Henderson, in Genoa. The ONN Daily Podcast. Listen at onnradio.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. From, from the Ohio, Ohio News Network. Ohio Sports Destination. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Kate Burdett. Time now to get some highlights of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show with Jay Crawford. Here's producer Colin Barringer to set the scene. Thanks, Kate. This week on the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show, with the addition of defensive end Zadarius Smith, the guys discuss whether the Browns might have one of the best defensive lines in 2023. If you look at what what Miles Garrett was doing, Miles Garrett has not had a level of coaching. Miles Garrett has had these stooges in here. I remember Greg Williams. I, I remember Greg William, Williams telling him, telling Miles Garrett, I only want to see you do one pass rush move. What? That's like telling Michael Jordan, I'll never want to see you shoot a elbow. Bro, I'm Jordan. I shoot wherever I want to. What are you talking about? He has not had no nobody up there. I think right now when you look at his Zadarius Smith, like I said before, he's the best pass rusher, best skills opposite of Miles Garrett. To catch the full breakdown, just search the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show on YouTube, subscribe to their page, and enjoy daily content covering all things Cleveland sports. We'll be back to wrap up this week's Ohio Sports Magazine when we continue on the Ohio News Network. 
The Buckeye Show. That's what I'm talking about, Tim. No. Well, if you don't know how to roll with it by now, you shouldn't be watching. Your bracket gets ruined. You got to enjoy it anyway. No. The Buckeye Show. Sponsored by CareSource. Weeknights at 6 on The Fan. Now back to Ohio Sports Magazine on the Ohio News Network. Once again, here's Kate Burdett. That's all for this week's Ohio Sports Magazine. Thank you so much to this week's guests, World Golf Hall of Famer Larry Nelson, who's also this year's Memorial Tournament honoree. ONN's Skip Mossick brought us that interview. Thank you, Skip. Thank you to Ryan Phillips of the Franklin County Flyers Special Olympics team as well. And thank you to Alyssa Petrella, the race director for the Komen Columbus Race for the Cure. You can still donate online at komen.org slash Columbus Race. Thank you to all of our Locked On podcast contributors this week as well. For Colin Barringer, Eric Reeser, and Paul Keels, I'm Kate Burdett. Thanks for listening to Ohio Sports Magazine. Join us next week here on the Ohio News Network. Broadcasting from the Lindsay Honda Studios. Honda makes the cars. Lindsay makes the difference. Visit lindsayhonda.com. WBNSFM HD1 